The Last Word with Matt Cooper. And it's Culture Club time and we're doing something a little bit different today. I hope this works because this is definitely different. This is recorded and as you're listening to this, Mario Rosenstock is doing me the great honour of launching my latest book, Who Really Owns Ireland? at Hodges Figgis. It's available in bookshops from today. And given that I can't interview myself about my own book, <laughs> we took the decision that, well, Mario's going to ask me a little bit about the book and then... He's going to ask me about all my choices for culture clubs. So, Mario Rosenstock, I have to hand over to you and thank you very much. Well, no, thank you, Matt. I'm absolutely honoured to be um, here to help you launch your book, uh, which I'm roasting you right now in Hodges and Figgis as people listen to this. Hang on, what do you mean roasting? I, I thought you were going to come Sorry, along no, and I mean, say well, pay, how wonderful pay, 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 the tribute. book is and you know, I'm a great writer and all the rest Maybe of it. Maybe I can do both at the same time. <laughs> i tell you what I'll do. I'll, I'll say all the great, you're a great lad stuff now. So, Matt Cooper, he's a great lad and he's written a new book called Who Really Owns? Um, Ireland and of course Matt tell me a little bit about that book Okay, well, basically, I'll, I'll try and do this as quickly as possible. The idea came during COVID when on those walks, remember we were all to take two and 5K yeah, walks? The loops. And trying to take various routes all around from where I live in Dublin, just seeing how much was changing and how many new things were going up and then wondering about all these new apartment blocks and all these new commercial buildings. Mm-hmm. Were they actually going to be filled because of COVID? And who owned them? And where did the money come from? And did it all fit in? And how was Ireland changing from back in, when I did a book nearly 15 years ago, now 2009, 14 years ago, who really uh, runs Ireland? So I was thinking, how has everything changed over the last decade and a half? And that's the sort of genesis at looking at how the ownership of the land and the places where we live, where we work, where we play, where we socialise, how has it all changed and has it all been for the better and who's getting the benefit out of it? Fascinating. So you just took the word runs and replaced it with owns. A bit of that, yeah. But it is a different story. You're incredible. How do you do it? I mean, everybody else was going during COVID, you know, oh my God, we're all going to the clip, you know, and Matt is there. No, no, no. I can turn this into another business opportunity. (laughs) For every two kilometres I walk, uh, uh, and then you also took up golf as well around that time. Yeah, that actually delayed the book a little bit, in <laughs> fairness. <laughs> my publishers, Matt. I actually was lying all the time to my publishers about the delays in getting copy in because actually there was a bit too much golf probably played. But I can admit that to you now because as I'm doing this, they're all down in Hodges Figures as we're doing the live events. That's so right. I have no idea uh, that I've just uh, said this. And I'm currently um, becoming not your friend anymore right now. You'll always um, be my friend, Mario. I know, you too. And listen, for those of you listening... Um, out there who don't know the real Matt Cooper I mean you might think that like he does this he does that he does the other and he's the consummate professional and of course he is but off air he told me that you know, he is he's, he gets really anxious about these things and you're launching a new book it's like a new little boat that you're launching out there and you get uptight and, and worried about it don't you? Yeah and you've mentioned the word boat so I'm immediately now thinking of the word sink <laughs> You're like Ray Darcy. Ray Darcy would like, this isn't going to work. No, it's not going to work. This is a bad idea. I told you, don't get Mario in to do this. It's a bad, bad idea. No, 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 Matt, it's going to be fine and it's going to be great. Will we get on with it, so? Please, please do. So listen, I'm delighted to be joined uh, by Matt Cooper for his own, uh, for his eponymous, if you like, culture club. So we're turning the tables and it's Mario Rosenstock here and I'm going to be interviewing Matt because you've never done it before, Matt, have no. you? And how many have you done approximately? Hundreds, have you? Oh, it must be, yeah, it must be heading towards 250, 300. 
300. We're at this five, six, seven years now yeah, at this stage. It's a brilliant item. It's a really good item. We've and had fantastic guests, so we're stuck now and have to put me on instead. But <laughs> it actually has rapidly become, I think for all of us on the team, one of our favourite things to do. We've met brilliant people over yes, the years. Yes, yes. I, I really enjoy it. I'd say between that and... Um, and Marion McKeown and Cal Thomas. They're the ones I, that, that the American on Tuesday evening is. I really look forward to that as well. And they both do great culture clubs as well themselves. You, you, you harvested them, did you? Oh, well, yeah, did yeah. You? Of course you did, yeah, yeah. yeah. So today we turn the tables and okay. we ask Matt Cooper about his own culture club choices. And I suppose, Matt, so we'll go down through the, the list and we'll start with your first single. So I'm really when, cheating on this. It's all right, but tell us when you bought your first single and what was it? Okay. I'm cheating here in the sense that I always ask everyone to admit no matter how embarrassing and the rest of it. So I will tell you what it was. The first one that I can remember was actually the Bay City Rollers. <laughs> bye Bye Baby. Yeah, okay. For, right, so that would have been the 74, 75. Around that time, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that would probably be the first one. But that's not the first bit of music that I want to play because there was a track that came out in 1980 and I remember I used to sit in my bedroom at home in Cork and I had a small desk looking out the back window looking at a wall and that's basically all there was in front of me was a wall and I would be there studying and my mother would give out to me that you'll never be able to study properly if you have the radio on listening to music all the time you won't concentrate and I always had the radio on and then a track came on and it just caught my attention like nothing else I'd ever heard and it started a lifelong obsession and this is it. And that is Rush, the spirit of radio from Permanent Waves in 1980. And I can tell the, our listeners, Matt Cooper's eyes were closed during a lot of that. <laughs> and his head was going back and forth. And it truly makes you happy. It does, actually, yeah. Yeah. Does it sound... Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm ignorant when it comes to Rush, and I want to ask you about Rush. But uh, to me, it sounded... First of all, I liked it. But to me, it sounded a little bit like Journey. Oh, possibly. It reminded me a little bit of Journey, without being a Louis Walsh about it. It reminded me of Journey, <laughs> but it did. It's reminded me of, it, of Don't Stop Believing a little bit of it. Okay, and that would be stuff that I would like as well. And Steve Perry was a guest on the programme recently from Journey as well. But yeah. that just, whatever it was, it just caught me. And there was lots of music that I loved at the time, and I would listen to music obsessively, and that just was, what the hell is that? And I remember not even catching the name of it properly and then having to go and find out what it was and I 
got the album Permanent Waves and I loved it and then I started getting into the other albums live album Exit Stage Left then the following year Moving Pictures came out with Tom Sawyer and other tracks and I developed this lifelong love and obsession with Rush uh, my screensaver is a photo of myself and the lead guitarist Alex Lifeson when they came to Dublin in 2011 <laughs> the team here indulged me with this brilliant surprise for me I remember Killian Murray who worked with us at the time yeah. organised Geddy Lee the lead singer as an interviewee on the programme which was just make my dreams come true sort of thing and every time that I sort of you know need music to go back to almost as comfort music and as I'm writing books I have it on it's Rush I just love the entire catalogue all the way through the 70s up until the early part of the last decade and then unfortunately Neil Peart the drummer died a few years ago mm. but the music just literally has been without sounding cliched soundtrack to my life yeah and what what would it be about the music? I mean, is it do they do they deliver to you in terms of melody all the time, or do are their words important? Do they tell stories? All of those things, and there's sort of there's a complexity. But when you listen, for, I used to find early years that it was sort of what's going on here. But when you get used to it, and when you get into it, and you find everything moving into place perfectly, and it just is music that I love and adore and then fortunately they did come to Dublin in 2011 and I got to meet them apart from Neil Perth the drummer who didn't ever meet anybody he just didn't like that sort of thing but I met Alex and, and Getty and was there to see them with friends at the Three Arena and it was just wonderful Does Aileen like them? No <laughs> So does there ever is there ever a moment Would you turn that beckon rush off? <laughs> yes there is Yeah She doesn't like my taste in music at all That's you know but it takes you know, different strokes yeah, for a absolutely. great marriage. Yeah. You know, I mean, you've got, you can't be all like each other, you know. Following on from your favourite single, I suppose it's it's almost natural that your favourite album would probably be related to that. Yeah, so tell move, me about move, your favourite. Moving Pictures by Rush, but I don't want to continue on sort of an obsession. And yeah. there are lots of other bands. There's one album over the last decade which I also love turning to. It's quite a dark album but it's just beautifully musically um, it's by a band called Manchester Orchestra mm. and it's the album is a black mile to the surface and I think we have the yeah, sunshine this is, from this that, is the we? sunshine from a black mile to the surface by Manchester Orchestra Sunshine from a Black Mile to the Surface by Manchester Orchestra. Matt, you're a bit of an indie head though, aren't you? 
Well, I don't know, because when I was asked for my favourite artists, and obviously Rush lead the way, yeah. uh, Manchester Orchestra, I love Radiohead. Yeah. R.E.M. I was into massively for a while. Mm. Zeppelin is one, and that's hardly indie. Malik Street Preachers are just absolutely terrific. Another one I'd go back to. Uh, Peter Gabriel, Elbow, Amy Mann. I got mad into Amy Mann for years. And there's a few others I think we'll get to when we get to gigs as well. Roxy Music, uh, Groove Armada. Mm. David Bowie. Like Dempsey, some of the for David example, Bo- I'm, uh, no, I wouldn't have anything like David the, Bowie the coming love. out of my yin yang with yeah, Dempsey. Yeah, no, I would nothing like the love he has. Although I heard one of his tracks yesterday with the Pat Metney band, "This Is Not America," which is a track I absolutely love, be up there with one of my favourites. And what about the, the like the old time classic bands like Beatles and Rolling Stones and stuff? I mean, have you listened to the Rolling Stones' new album, Cackney Diamonds? No, not really interested. And I saw the Rolling Stones live once, and I was completely underwhelmed indeed mm-hmm. it was about 20 years ago it was at Today FM all of us went together down to the old Point Depot to see the Rolling Stones I remember Tom Dunn and myself being the only ones who were going meh I remember it's the Strokes you love as well don't oh, you oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Muse. Good memory. Yeah well Muse, I listened to your show I was only at Muse a few weeks ago yeah. it was terrific and that was of course the the team tune to your TV show on um, on Virgin. Yes, with Ivan, the Tonight Show. Well, yes. I doubt Ivan chose that song. No, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> he had no idea what it was. No idea. <laughs> What's that, Matt? <laughs> God's sake, an awful ruckus. <laughs> All right, so this is a clip then from two favourites in the one place. Tell us about this, Matt. Yeah, this is uh, Groove Armada. There's another one to chill out music. Absolutely brilliant. And I love Brian Ferry's stuff throughout Roxy Music and into his solo and just a fantastic voice. And he was also another guest we had here in studio once. So this is from great album, 2010 album, Blacklight. This is Shameless. Puis ce fut ma fée adorable. Puis je vous baisse les mains. Puis je vous baisse le front. Je m'en parle de toi, mon amour. Ferry and Groove Armada, two of Matt's favourites in one in his Culture Club choices. Do you, how do you listen to music, Matt? In all sorts of ways? Yeah, but I, I actually now stream it most of the time. Um, I, had, I have a massive collection of CDs, which are all sort of stored at the moment. I don't think I even have a CD player at the moment. And uh, also have quite a few albums, but mm. I suppose I've become lazy and I just like to stream the stuff now. Will you sit in a room? Yes. Turn the lights down? Yeah. Well, actually, I have music on as much as I can. So if I'm reading 
And if I'm working, when I'm writing books, although I would sometimes know that I'm really gotten into the zone for writing, if I suddenly realise that I've no idea what music is on, that I'm so yeah. concentrated. Yeah. So it could be that in the old time when I used to have put on a record, it got it finished. Yeah. And then I realised, oh, the music is finished. Oh, how, how long is it finished? But I mean, so sort of in the zone when I'm writing. Great. So I don't follow that many people on Twitter, but by 40 or 45, and you're one of the, the people I follow. And so I would get your feed. And of course, I saw the thing you sent out last week or the week before. It was like, so you were at a gig um, the Arctic Monkeys gig in Dublin last week. Yeah, last week. Yeah, and with, with my three and you daughters. said, yeah, your three three older daughters, and you yeah. said it was one of the best gigs you'd ever been at. It was. It was absolutely terrific. We all no. Sometimes the gigs is also who you're with and friends and stuff make it. Our family, in this case, and my three daughters, and the fact the four of us were having such a great night out together, but. It's they they were Alex Turner. I'd seen the Arctic Monkeys before, and they were good. Last week was just absolutely terrific. Alex Turner has just that swagger on stage. The music they really went. It was a proper rock gig. It was like trash metal at times, and it has a little bits of sort of the sort of the lounge cabaret type feel that he goes for. But he did it brilliantly, and the crowd was just absolutely lapping it up and lovely loving it. <laughs> and as I was telling John Cadell and D Ready last night in our music spot, you know he wasn't talking between songs and I was delighted because I don't want to listen to nonsense like hey Dublin how much I love you and all this sort of nonsense he just got on with it and it was just absolutely brilliant yeah just listening to here it's it's John Cadell is definitely lying when he says Matt doesn't like any of that stuff at all <laughs> he just says it to be cool he's spoofing <laughs> No, I think Matt's telling the truth. Um, so other gigs, Matt, highlights of your life, gig There's terms? There's loads of them you go to. Like, getting to see Rush was just a you know, absolute dream. Jimmy Page and Robert Plant at the point in the mid-90s was just absolutely terrific. And in fact, if my best friend from secondary school in the North Mon and Cork, Pat Field, was with me for that one. We'd have seen Tin Lizzy and Cork together in Ooh. 1982. And he was up only last month with me for Muse. Anything. So we've been doing gigs over 40 years now at this stage, the two of us. Uh, I saw John Mellencamp in Madison in the United States in 1992. I was travelling with a couple of friends and we managed to crash our way into a sold-out uh, gig, an open-air gig in Madison and it was just absolutely wonderful. Radiohead I've only seen once and I really regret I didn't see them when they were here a few years ago. That goes back to the RDS in 1997 when they were in this sort of rockier phase. Still absolutely brilliant and I've seen Prince a few times. Always terrific. Uh, R.E.M. at the RDS back in 1998 was also terrific. Macklemore Wow. For, because <laughs> my kids were with me and they loved yeah. it and we just had great fun and it was a great, great gig. And I think that's an awful lot of thing with gigs and stuff is yeah. an awful lot. Of, it's down to the people who you're with and having a great time as well. It is. And also, as you say, your kids can get you into music that yeah. you didn't think you'd like but do like. Absolutely. My son Dash now, he's got me into this band Belters Only, which is the best name for a band I've ever heard. And they're doing the um, Three Arena on Monday night and uh, they're they're like DJs, but Belters Only. What I'll a check it out. So. Belters Only. Only. Absolutely brilliant. Okay, so we're going to take a clip from um, the Arctic Monkeys uh, live in Mexico a week before the recent Dublin gig.
think we picked that clip because of the kind of raucousness of the atmosphere. It really featured the crowd up close to the mics and the sense of... I may have been the oldest person there last week, but it didn't matter. I loved it. Okay, listen, we're going to be back after the break with more of Matt Cooper's eponymous Culture Club picks. Okay, you're very welcome back to The Last Word with Mario Rosenstock standing in for Matt Cooper with Matt Cooper. So I'm not actually a professional stand-in yet, Um, but I'm interviewing Matt. Uh, but I can do all his stand-ins, like Frank Greeny. I, I love doing all those, of course. But um, uh, thank you, Matt. And um, I will be now interviewing Matt because he's doing the Culture Club and we're picking Matt's favourite pieces of uh, culture, music and movies for his Culture Club picks. And I'm helping him to go through these because he couldn't do it to himself. Uh, Matt, movies. Give us a, give us a favourite movie or a, a, a movie that's, that's done the business for you recently. Okay, I watched loads of movies, love going to things. Oppenheimer this year was terrific. Haven't got to see Barbie yet, despite Brian Lloyd and exhorting me to do so. Going to go and see the new Scorsese movie, hopefully this weekend. But if I was going to pick them out, one that I've gone back to a number of times, which I always love, are two movies that feature big business, which is a big thing with me. Uh, Margin Call, which was terrific with Kevin Spacey, who of course has since been cancelled. Jeremy Irons is absolutely brilliant in it. That's a great one. But the other one is The Big Short. Mm. And actually, when The Big Short was launched or premiered here in Ireland, I did a piece on stage in the Savoy with Adam McKay, the director of The Big Short. And he was a fantastic interviewee. He's also one of the exact producers of Succession. Succession. Uh, but McKay has done some great stuff with Will Ferrell in particular. And Will Ferrell wasn't in the big short, but when it comes to taking a complex story, which is Michael Lewis's book, it was just absolutely brilliantly done. And that, I say, would be my favourite movie. Let's go to TV. And I know I know people will find it hard to believe, but actually you are a TV fan as well. And you do somehow find the time to watch box sets, TV shows, streamers, traditional terrestrial TV. So we're actually just going to split it up into two. TV as a teenager and TV as an adult. So okay. give Matt Cooper as a teenager. What's he watching? Loads of sport. Whatever sport. There wasn't as much sport available in RT land, which I grew up in. It was only RT and then RT too. You got what you could, World Cups and stuff like that. That's what I loved. But if there were two big TV shows that I loved Hill Street Blues, yep. which was a terrific uh, cop show based in Chicago, and it was just absolutely some, wonderful. Some would say part of the dawning of the new era of TV. Yeah, I know. used to love it, Frank Farillo and all that stuff. And oh, brilliant! And the other one was Lou Grant, yeah. and maybe that maybe influenced me a little bit in wanting to be a journalist at that stage. I knew I wanted to get into newspapers, and the Lou Grant stories with Ed Asner as the editor and all yeah. the stories of the reporters I used to love. Then when you get into adulthood, there's one actually not on the list I gave you, which I only remembered mm. again afterwards because I went and bought the box set of it a few years ago to go back over. You probably love it, the Larry Sanders show. Yeah, Gary one of my favourite. And Rip Torn, yes. and oh, Jesus. it's just absolutely the funniest. Way ahead of its time. Way ahead of its time. And I used to adore that when it was out. Better Call Saul, I just loved again, watched it all during yeah. lockdown. Uh, which, of course, uh, Breaking Bad following that. House of Cards, the early seasons went all pear-shaped, yeah. but in the early bit it was brilliant. The West Wing, I loved. Uh, this year, The Last of Us, which was absolutely terrific, and, of course, Succession. Uh, Succession has been, and I have, I God knows how many books about the Murdoch family and their business interests, and this just riffed off it so well and added other things in. Succession is just 
glorious television, which I've watched every episode at least three times. Yeah, I mean, your taste is pretty impeccable. Actually, just to mention the Larry Sanders show, when I first saw the Larry Sanders show, I discovered it in the very best way possible. I turned it on, this show was on, and I thought, what is this television show all about? This is a mad television show. I didn't understand it was a comedy. And it only dawned on me about halfway through the thing that this is a comedy. So at the best possible way, it dawned on me, you know? I didn't even know it was it a was comedy. genius. And you also, Mad Men. Which I watched again during Did you? lockdown. I watched it for How a second How does it stand time. up for the repeated? Absolutely brilliant. Uh, in, in some respects, it did turn a little bit into a soap opera, but you know what? It was sh- so sharply written and just so well done. It's just absolutely terrific. John Hamm and January Jones here as Don and Betty Draper in Mad Men. Hello? I just spent 40 minutes with two men from the government. What? Couldn't you have at least given me some warning? That's, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, you applied for some security clearance and they need to know all about you and I've been through hell, Don. I'm sick to my stomach. Whoa. Hold on. What exactly happened? What? Who were they? Two men from the Defense Department, and they ask me all kinds of questions about you. About what? I, I, I don't remember everything. Your military service, your politics, your loyalty, your name. And what did you say? What do you think I said? Nothing. Hello, are you there? I'm sorry, I... Uh... Jesus. I didn't know anything about this. Well, I don't know if I should even be talking on the phone. Of course you should. There's no problem with any of that. You know my husband works for the governor. He should have told me they were coming. You're right. I'm sorry for inconveniencing you. Okay. Well, goodbye then. Betty. Yes? Thank you. I think my favourite bits of Mad Men were where he has clients in the room and he sells stuff to clients and he turns you know, unwilling clients into their sold by his descriptions. And his double and treble lives and all the rest of it. It was just brilliant. Terrific Absolutely TV. Brilliant. Uh, Matt, your favourite writer then? It's hard to say your favourite writer, of course. I mean, I know you you have two types of reading, I suppose. You read, you read for pleasure and then you read as part of your work as yeah. well. Because you have tons of books for people who wouldn't know that the window out there on the sill is just absolutely full of books. It's just been cleaned off. <laughs> you, but just as a matter of interest, as a present, for a presenter point of view, uh, how much of every book that you get to prepare for an interview do you read? Unfortunately, I don't get to finish an awful lot of yeah. them and even ones that I might want to get back to finish, I have to set aside to read good chunk of the next have a way book of for the next I have to an extent now some of them I just do go back and finish I went back for example recently with Walter Isaacson on the programme about his Elon Musk book and I went back and I, I hadn't finished the book when I interviewed him though he did a fantastic interview um, but I went back and finished it afterwards and that was partly because I loved his Steve Jobs book would be one that I absolutely loved from about 2011 and that actually served to degree you know, sort of says it, well, not quite a template, but when I did biographies of Tony O'Reilly and Michael O'Leary, I said, okay, I'm not going to get to the same level that Isaacson can, 
but I'm going to give it a shot to a certain extent to see how well I can do it. Uh, I'd love to be able to write at his level. I'd love to have the time and the resources and the access that he has actually had. Well, who knows, maybe in the future there will be people who will allow me that sort of access. Uh, but Walter Isaacson, when it comes, and I read a lot of biography, I don't read as much fiction as I used to. I used to read an enormous amount of fiction when I was in college and when I was sort of in early years, E.L. Doctorow, likes books like The Book of Daniel, Ragtime, Homer and Langley, would love those, Saul Bellow, uh, books like Humboldt's Gift. But I've only got back really into reading fiction over the last year and a half or so. Last year, Louise Kennedy's Trespasses was one that I absolutely loved, partly because I just recognised the north of Ireland that she was writing about so well. My mother, my late mother was from Belfast, and during the 1970s, I used to go up every summer with her to look after my grandmother, so I remember all of the things that were going on in the 1970s in the north, and she just, she just caught it just so absolutely brilliantly in that book. And then another writer that I only came across because a friend of mine gave me uh, one of her novels last year, uh, Jennifer Egan. So there are books like A Visit from the Goon Squad, The Candy House, and Manhattan Beach. I've read all those this year and they are just absolutely wonderful books, so brilliantly written. I love Walter Isaacson, actually, Matt, and uh, I th- he's I th- he's written, I think, a very good one about on Leonardo da Vinci. That's on my list of things to read. Yeah, he's terrific. Yeah. He's, 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 a, he's a wise, wise man and a very good interviewer. Uh, yes, uh, and a great interviewee, as he proved in the piece we did with Elon Musk a few weeks ago as well. Excellent. The play musical, uh, play or musical, right? So now, actually, there's a bit, there's, something is tied in here, because I see the name Richard Schiff written here. Yes. And Richard Schiff, if I'm not wrong, was in the West Wing. Toby in the West Toby Wing. Toby in the West Wing. So to start the story, telling okay, us Toby. Okay, Toby has West. become a great friend of the show. Toby, I call him by his yeah. West Wing name. He's the Richard guy with the beard, Schiff. the black yeah. beard. Uh, Richard Schiff, he looks very like our producer, Dermot. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Richard, of course, Dermot doesn't have a beard, but he does have the same other facial features, shall we say. Anyway, um, Richard Schiff became a guest regularly on the programme, brilliant in talking about American politics and whatever. And in 2012, when Aileen was running her first marathon, Aileen has now run the Marathons of the World Series, which means we've travelled the world. She's done New York, Boston, Chicago, London, Berlin and Tokyo this year to complete the set of the Marathons of the World. When we went over in 2012, uh, Richard was in Glengarry, Glen Ross and I rang him and said, any chance I can get tickets? And he says, yeah, absolutely. And he sorted me out for tickets for Glengarry Ross on the Saturday afternoon uh, matinee, the day before Alien was due to run. Now, as it happened, the, the marathon was called off because of the marathon, or because of the hurricane. But anyway, that was still open, and he got his tickets five rows from the front, right in the middle. And of course, it wasn't just Richard who was in it. There was Al Pacino, David <laughs> Harbour, Bobby Cannavale, John McGinley. It was just magical. I mean, it's just a brilliant mm. play, Gary Ganross. But to see all of these superstars perform it and to be within literally spitting range of them on the stage it was absolutely terrific and we've tried to do things because Aileen tries to rest up before running a marathon so it also meant that things like when we were in back in New York in 2016 we went to see the Book of Mormon which was just hilarious. And I remember we ran from that when we had to run to go to a local pub to see Ireland beat the All Blacks in <laughs> Chicago oh, the yeah. same day. And I'm going nuts. Well, here I am. I'm in New York instead of Chicago when <laughs> Ireland finally beat the All Blacks. <laughs> and another one then in Chicago 2018, we went to see Hamilton. And that was just magnificent as well. So those would be my memories of plays and musicals. Yeah, excellent. And we're going to finish 
with a kind of a, a miscellaneous. Is this a new thing to the culture yeah, club? Yeah, we brought this in this? about six months ago, sir. We call it cultural buried treasure. It's a chance for somebody, people to bring in something maybe a little bit unexpected. I'm not bringing that unexpected, but there would be another song that I absolutely love that just literally, again, just makes me, despite the lyrics, happy whenever I hear it because I just love the music so much in it. It's Blue Oyster called Don't Fear the Reaper. Cult, Don't Fear the Reaper, Matt Cooper's Buried Treasure on Matt Cooper's very own Culture Club, hosted by me, Mario Rosenstock, because right now I am roasting Matt Cooper in <laughs> Hodges and Figgis for and celebrating the launch of his new book, Who Really Owns Ireland by Matt Cooper, published by Gill, and that's out today. And Matt, thank you very much for having me. Well, thank you very much for doing this, Mario, and uh, for indulging all of my choices, and thank you if you have continued listening. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today and-